0: For me, I've been able to double and sometimes even triple the rate that I'm offered by incorporating a blog post. What I will say, though, is that you don't need to be in all places at once. I never would say to put all of your eggs in one basket, but I will say that like you don't need to feel like you need to have a podcast, YouTube, Instagram, yeah. Clubhouse, TikTok, whatever. You don't need to be in all the places.
1: Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Today, we have special guest Lindsay Silverman with us. Um, Lindsay and I have actually been on a press trip together before, back in 2019 with Dell Computers, and that's how we met. But I've been following Lindsay for a while, and I'm so glad I got to connect with her. And today, we're going to talk all about her journey, but also a lot of her strengths as an influencer, which I think everyone can learn a lot from. So, welcome! Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me.
0: I actually had forgotten that the way we met was through that press trip. Sometimes, you know, we like, it feels like we've known each other for a really long time. But yeah, that that is how we met. I forgot.
1: Yeah, actually, I just, I always remember, um, you first DM'd me a long, long time ago, and you mentioned, like, your husband as well, and at, at, I thought it was just a very genuine DM, and I usually am a bit shy to, like, connect with people via DM, but you and I think Elona were one of the few people, like, I responded to him. I was like, yeah, cool, like,
0: when we have a chance. Well, it's so it's so funny because I, I actually do remember messaging you and I like never message people. <laughs> like really? I would never, I'm ne- totally not the type of person to ever message someone I don't know. But um, I can't remember you like maybe had posted something and I was like, she seems really approachable like I feel like I would be comfortable to DM you so that's that must have been what it was
1: oh I'm glad I'm glad you feel that way (laughs) I guess so I guess I wanted to start and just congratulate you on your recent wins there's just there's too many but we're gonna go through them but first I want to say congrats on being part of the Sephora squad I know it's a huge huge deal for you Um, I actually don't really know like what's included like what happens when you're part of the Sephora squad.
0: Yeah. So it is a year long contract with Sephora. Um, and basically I think they maybe had, I don't know, like 10,000 applicants this year or something like that. And they narrow it down to a group of semi-finalists and then finalists. And then I was chosen. And I think there's maybe 70 or so people, um, that are chosen to be part of this squad. And essentially it's a year long partnership with Sephora where, you are connected to all the brands within Sephora. I'm able to provide them with a list of the brands that I love and really have dreams of working with, and they facilitate those relationships. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's um a big contract. I think it's the wow. biggest contract I've ever signed, and it's also, like, a brand that I have really dreamed of working with before. So this is, like, a really
1: very exciting for me wow so the the being part of the squad itself is already like a paid partnership but then they can also facilitate other partnerships with brands that they carry exactly Wow. Yeah, so,
0: and then there's also supposed to be events, which there probably won't won't be this year, and I guess all sorts of things that I will find out along the way, because it's my first time, but, um, yeah, I'm super, super excited.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I saw that you got over a thousand reviews, and that's a lot of reviews to get, you know, for yeah. people to leave Instagram and be like, okay, I'm going to actually do this for her, because I appreciate her. So, that's amazing. Congrats. Thanks. And, Then also, Lindsay recently moved to Miami, although she also um, has a place in New York, and she got a new puppy. So lots of really exciting life changes. Um, What sparked the the move? So, you know,
0: my husband and I have always loved Miami. We love the warm weather. And I never really imagined myself leaving New York. But um, I figured if there was any way we could do it, where we could split our time between New York and Miami and have places in both cities, it would be like a dream. And when my husband left his job last October to come work with me full time, like very similar to you, we finally had the freedom to do something that we had been talking about for a while, because obviously, we can work from anywhere. So we are just getting settled in Miami. And it's really nice to wake up to the sun every morning. I feel like in New York, you're just so used to like, not having that all the time but here being by the water and the sun it's very very refreshing
1: yeah same here i know what you mean like every day is beautiful weather you see the beach every day it's really refreshing and different to to new york i will say totally well let's move on to i guess start from the beginning and just talk a little bit about Uh, what made you first start your Instagram? I know you were in um, journalism before, right? You were um, working at magazines, including Playboy, but there were others. But unfortunately, I don't remember. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and what made you start? Sure. So
0: I started my career working in magazines as magazine editor. I kind of had always dreamed of being in magazines and a journalist since I was little. And so I were interned in college. I, my major in college was magazine journalism. And um, when I graduated, I landed uh, my first job at GQ and then eventually worked at a bunch of other places. And I've written for Vogue and The Wall Street Journal and Condé Nast Traveler, a bunch of uh, really great publications. And so Most recently, I was the deputy digital editor at Town & Country Magazine. And through all of my career, I started to cover a lot of travel, luxury travel specifically and that allowed me to travel the world for work and stay at all these really beautiful places and just do get get to experience some really cool things people always say that you you know you don't go into magazine journalism to make money you you go into it for the perks and so the amazing perks of of that job was that i got to travel and write about really great hotels so um I started posting about my trips on Instagram. This is sort of right when Instagram started and I really was never posting stuff of myself the way like you know a blogger would the way I do now. I was really just posting pictures of like the destinations I was going to and the hotels and I was really never in the pictures and people were super curious and they you know wanted to see more, they wanted travel tips and um, of course, like this was in the time when there was like repost accounts and you would get featured and then get a lot of followers that way. And so my account started to grow, but I never in a million years thought that I would leave my job to do this as a job. Um, because I kind of figured it was like a fun, like side hobby thing. And it would maybe be like, just like something I did on the side. I never thought I'd make money from it. Never thought that, you know, I, I'd spent my entire career. 10 years working to get to where I was at, at Town & Country, and um, to leave seemed completely crazy. So I um, really never thought about it. And then it got to the point where it became more popular, I guess, for people to be full-time bloggers, and my account kept growing. And slowly, I started getting offers from brands, and I wasn't able to take any of them because I was... Full time at the magazine. And it was sort of a conflict of interest because, you know, if a brand is coming to me to pay me for something, if I'm supposed to be impartial and editorial and writing about it, it just gets murky. So, um, I kept turning things down and eventually it got to the point where I was like, I think that I could maybe make more money if I were doing, taking these brand deals. Um, and I spent about a year, like, researching and talking to other bloggers and talking to brands and just talking to agents and managers and trying to do the math to figure out whether I'd be able to make it work. And eventually in October of 2018, I decided to take the leap and I left um, my job to do this full time. And I've been, you know, going hard ever since.
1: It sounds like it was a pretty logical decision, like you did all your research, and maybe you have an idea of a backup and like what you can go back to if it didn't work out. But I read your blog post, you said you were really scared to death about the big jump too.
0: Oh, yeah, I was terrified. Um, I kind of assumed that I would eventually just have to go back to my job because it wouldn't work out. I never, I felt like, I wanted to take this risk and do do it because it was kind of in the back of my mind. I thought, well, if it does work, it'll be amazing. And yeah. if it doesn't like I, I still have my resume, I could still go back to doing what I was doing before. So, um, yeah, but at that time I, I just remember like asking every brand, how much they pay people and what they would pay someone like me. And then I was adding up, okay, how many of those things would I need to get in a year in order to make, I didn't even care if I was making less money I mm-hmm. was just like I need to survive um so I had saved up some money too and it ended up not being a problem I ended mm-hmm. up like making much more than my salary from my old job very quickly
1: Oh was that like immediately the first year Yeah Wow. Yeah,
0: That's so impressive.
1: Thing. I mean, mm. well, like you said, you don't get into uh, editorial magazines to make a ton of money. But still, I would say you've probably come a very, very long way, not just in terms of the community you've built, but also like where you are at financially now as well, because of the path that you chose.
0: Yeah. And I do think like, you know, my experience being in magazines and having that journalism background is actually what I think made me more successful and made me more appealing to brands to work with and it really did work in my favor and I I leveraged it as mm. much as possible because I always wanted brands to know when they were working with me they were working with a seasoned journalist who would you know take their product seriously and read all the briefs and kind of treat every partnership like an editorial storytelling opportunity Rather than just like taking a quick photo and copying whatever caption they wanted me to write and moving on.
1: Yeah, 100%. I've read uh, quite a few of your blog posts as well, and you can really tell that it's a seasoned journalist, someone who is very experienced with writing. It seems to like flow very easily. Thank you. So I guess then I would like to know when was like a turning point for you? Obviously, when you quit your job, but was there a point where you felt like, this that maybe there was a gig or maybe there was some opportunity that came along and you were like wow I feel like I've made it um
0: I think it was pretty quickly like there was I just remember getting opportunities from brands and then them saying they would pay me and it was stuff that I kind of was doing anyway and I was excited about like I started working with a lot of beauty brands and I love like skincare and beauty stuff and so One of my first brand partnerships was like this French beauty brand that I love. And all all I had to do is just show the product and show how to use it, which I was doing anyway. And it it became very surreal that I could be getting paid to do something that I really love to do. I think another one, I did a partnership with the St. Regis where um, they paid my husband and I to go to the St. Regis in Bell Harbor spend a weekend at the hotel, shoot a bunch of photos, um, and just sort of like share our experience for a weekend at the weekend at the St. Regis. And that was like completely mind blowing to me that, um, I would get to do something like that. So yeah, that those, there's been a few pinch me moments, um, a lot more recently.
1: I feel like the first paid trip for every um, travel influencer is always the biggest deal because normally we would pay to travel or at at the beginning, it would just be like a comped uh, trip. And the first time you get comped and you get paid is always very meaningful and significant, I think, because it really feels like a dream come true, doesn't it?
0: Even times when I would get the experience to travel, um, you know, go to stay somewhere fancy and get to take photos and be doing it for free. I remember being like, this is insane. Like if anyone saw what I was doing right now, they would think it was like
1: a scam, you know, but it's, it's real yeah so i know that you also run a very successful blog and it had grown a lot in the past few years Um, and the main source obviously is seo and pinterest which if anybody has researched anything about blogs you probably know this but how would you how valuable do you think adding a blog post to campaigns um, how valuable is that for influencers but also for brands
0: I mean, it's incredibly valuable for me. I've been able to double and sometimes even triple the rate that I'm offered by incorporating a blog post. Wow. What I will say, though, is that, you know, I think and I, I feel like this is something that you've talked a lot about, too. You need to really know yourself and know. Um, I think, you know, people shouldn't just start a blog for the sake of starting one, because, you people tell you to do it I think you it really is a labor of love and you have to like enjoy writing and enjoy taking the photos and doing the whole process because it's not like a super quick easy 30 second thing you know I spend like a lot of time on the blog and it's a lot of strategy and um, if you know if you're not the kind of person who loves that that kind of thing I would never tell someone to like force themselves to do it for example for a while I was trying to do like YouTube. And it was just painful for me. Like I thought that it's what I had to do because, okay, well, you know, I have a blog, I have a newsletter, I have my Instagram. What's the next thing that I should do? And so I started a YouTube channel and it just, it didn't click for me. It was, I didn't come naturally and it was too much work and I didn't enjoy it. And I'm not the kind of person who likes to like, quit or give up on something, but I actually think it was one of the best decisions I made to be like, you know what, I can't be good at everything. And maybe my time would be better spent on something that I'm actually good at and, and doesn't feel as challenging. So um, yeah, so I think that like, that is like one piece of advice that you don't need to be in all places at once. And it, it was also at the time when when I was ha- sort of launching everything at at once, and you know, when you when you have your hand in a hundred different buckets, and you're trying to be on all amazing on all platforms, it's hard to be amazing on on all platforms yes. without some Sacrifice. something has to yeah. yeah exactly. So I I never would say to put all of your eggs in one basket, but I will say that like you don't need to feel like you need to have a podcast, YouTube instagram yeah. clubhouse tiktok whatever you know you don't need to be in all the places
1: agree unless it is relatively easy for you to either uh, repurpose or you have the budget to outsource and you already have the content ready otherwise i really also same as you, you know i don't recommend everyone go do every platform and try to be consistent on every platform so like two or three platforms as long as you're good on two then that that's already really good <laughs> exactly and people always say like oh you don't own the these platform it can go away any day but unless you're on something like vine you know i don't think instagram is going to go away any day i don't think youtube is going to go away any day and But I I do think, of course, there's a lot of value in having an email list like you have and a blog like you have. But just for anybody out there who might not be as talented of a writer like Lindsay, which is me, I am not good at writing. um, Don't force yourself. It is a great value add, like Lindsay said, but it it doesn't mean that it has to be something that you got to do. So I know you also have a private Facebook group and I don't know when you started it, but I do hear about it from time to time. And I also featured it inside my full-time influencer course, because I think it's very special. I think it's special that you took sort of this big platform and the most dedicated hardcore fans to a separate private group to really nurture them there. Like, when did you start that? What? What? Why did you want to start the Facebook group?
0: I think it was a couple years ago and what I remember is that I was just always having conversations in my DMs with people about things that I felt the a group of people would benefit from but it was always mm. private conversation so it was just like you know for example someone would Say, do you you know the? Do you have a recommendation for the perfect bra or the perfect white T-shirt or do do you have any recommendations for Martha's Vineyard? And if I had never been to Martha's Vineyard, I was like, I'm I'm out of luck. But I can guarantee you that yeah. people in my community would be able to help you in a second. So I kind of had the idea like, well, maybe I can make this community where. Uh, it's a lot of like-minded people. Everyone can help each other out and it doesn't need to feel like it's just me in charge and I'm the one who has the answers to all questions. So it has been really amazing. Like the group is, there is someone in the group who has the answer to literally every single question. Like people will, you know, be having weird symptoms of some you know, like medical thing and someone else would be like, I had that too. This is the best doctor to go to. Like it's every time someone posts something that's so obscure or specific, and I think there's no way that, you know, a woman in this group's going to know, um, there's always someone who has something some piece of advice or can help. So it's really, it's a great community.
1: And even job opportunities. I saw like people are able to post a listing and then fill it that way too.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's been a really nice, one of the things that I promote about the group is I call it non-awkward networking. I am like a very awkward networker. I really do not like to go to like networking events and I just was never my thing. I usually prefer to be more casual and or you know meet someone through a person that I already know and so I kind of felt like in this group at, like the person that everyone has in common is me like most of the girls don't know each other but they do follow me and that obviously says something about like what type of person they are what who what type of content they like so I've connected a lot of people people who were who were looking to make friends in a new city they found people through the group um so, yeah, it's just like a really, it's mostly, um, well, it's all women and, and gay men. That's my yeah. girls and, ga- girls yes. and gays. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people have made some really awesome connections, gotten jobs. And it's, yeah, really a great group.
1: I think that's something just very, very unique that you did and also a very great point you said, because right now your Instagram platform or your blog, it's literally just one too many and you can only do so much for each person as a one person, you know, like a one person platform. But when you take it outside and you, whether you do a discord or you do a Slack or you do a private Facebook group you then really foster a community where the people who are all following you have things in common and then they get help each other that i think that's very unique not a lot of influencers do that especially influences on instagram because often it's usually like broadcasting your life to many many people so if anyone is seriously considering trying to foster a very very close-knit group where uh, you know you have your most dedicated followers that's a great way and I also just love that you're, you're kind of doing it from a very, you know, just helping people standpoint, where I guess it's not particularly to post this to um, a certain, how do I say this? It's not necessarily to monetize the group in a right, way. Right, right.
0: There's no, I mean, there was never really any motive other yeah. than to just like have, you know, it's like have women help each other um and you know in a way and i think there's a lot of things that i do that have no monetary incentive but in the long term i feel that like fostering your community even if it doesn't show you financial incentive um upfront in yeah. the long term it ends up paying off and then some and i think that's part of the reason why when i post uh, about products and recommendations people really trust what i am suggesting because I am always messaging people privately. Someone can ask me for skincare advice and I'll write them back and give them a tip. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, you have to do a lot, a lot of times you have to do the things that are not going to like be chasing the money right away because it'll come,
1: I think, in the long run. Totally. I think that's something that everyone needs to hear because often you want to see tangible tangible return very quickly whether that's follower count or like count or money before you feel motivated to continue but often it really is just um, planting all the seeds first and then over time it will pay you back not that you're like looking for that but like it'll pay you back multiple folds in ways you never expected Hey, I want to take a moment to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the Full-Time Influencer Podcast, I would really appreciate if you could just take one minute to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Your support really helps us to get seen and continue producing quality interviews and episodes for you. All right, now back to the show. So I know you mentioned before that you started with travel and that's actually in the beginning how you grew your account. Uh, for me, I feel like right now, you, other, you do still travel a lot, but you also do a lot of beauty and skincare. And to me, you're like the expert that I would go to if I'm looking for skincare advice. Did you have to make a transition during the process? Um, was there kind of like a slight um, switch in the, in the niche? And how do you manage to focus on two seemingly very different niches? So, for me,
0: it's a good question, and it was never really like a conscious decision to pivot or do anything different. Just me as a human being, I love travel and I love beauty and I think a lot of people are the same and so you know i'm a I'm rounded I have I have multiple interests and it for me, it always felt natural to just share all of my interests with people and I think in the beginning, when people were just following me for travel, I was like, oh well, if I start." Posting my skincare routine or whatever, no one's going to care because they came here for travel. But the bottom line is, people who like travel can also like beauty and also want skincare tips. And so um, I found that actually people res it resonated with people really well. And then people who started following me for beauty stuff, maybe they're not as well traveled, but they love getting the travel advice and being inspired to go places. So you know, I think like people feel often that they need to be one certain thing you know they can't be in multiple um genres but I think I'm kind of proof that you very much can you know you can be a travel blogger and also a beauty blogger and you can write about everything so I do think sometimes it's easier to maybe like foster community if you're known as an expert in one specific area yes. but I, it's not impossible um, yeah. because I'm I'm doing both
1: yeah I feel like in the beginning, if your goal is to really get seen quickly and to grow quickly, then it makes more sense to focus on one thing so that people come for that one thing. But then over time, as people get to know you, like they've gotten to know you as a person, not just as a travel account, then they also start to take beauty advice and skincare advice. And I think that's how you start to slowly pivot over over time and just introducing it as part of your life.
0: I also think too, like in the beginning, I never was really doing any um, sponsored content with, with beauty or skincare brands. I posted for years beauty stuff without ever doing a paid partnership. So I think that people felt then when I did start doing sponsored content, they really trust that I'm going to be discerning and what yeah. brands I choose to work with because I for, for many, many years never took a dollar, never made a dollar from beauty stuff. So
1: wow and now lindsay is part of the sephora squad it's just amazing how far you've come from you know posting things because you you really enjoy it and you love it to now doing such huge deals and amazing things that is something that i actually particularly like about your account where i feel like you are showing up a lot with a lot of products but i never feel like um, you're like jamming it down my throat, like a lot of, you know, unfortunately some other influencers do or, or that it feels forced in any way. It just feels like you're always giving your genuine, real opinion. Do you have any advice for people who might have trouble, you know, um, selling something and feel like they're, they're selling out? I would say just be,
0: be honest and be particular about things. People know that I am particular and I don't say that I love everything. I wouldn't tell someone to like say that you don't like a brand, but there, I, I definitely say that I don't like products. If someone asks me my honest opinion about something and I'm not a fan of it, I'll just say, I don't like it. Like, Oh, you know, this Neutrogena face wash, you know, what do you think about it? If I don't like it, I'll say that. And I'm not afraid to be honest about that. I think that is, has been one of the things that, um, I guess makes people trust me because I'm not afraid to be honest if something's not good. And I also, am not always trying to like sell, sell, sell. And, you know, I, I think about my followers, and their buying habits in the same exact w- way as my own buying habits. You know, I don't try like if, if I wouldn't buy something myself, I just would never tell someone else to do it. So, yeah. you know, like whether it's like a, a skincare device or a tool or a really expensive thing, someone says, oh, do you think that product is worth three, four hundred dollars? I could make a nice commission if I said it was, but it to me, it's not worth being disingenuous if it's not something I truly believe in and I think that is will get you very far being honest
1: yeah I do think that definitely comes across when you're just coming from a place of being very genuine and telling the truth I I think people can tell and I also think that's why like Lindsay's able to convert so well when she sells certain things Um, But also another thing I, I bet is like, you know, your audience, like you just said, and you're really speaking specifically to a certain type of person that generally loves to follow you. And, you know, for people out there who are maybe stuck with finding a specific niche and you want to share multiple aspects of your life then you must have a very very clear target audience like a specific person you talk to where every part of your life they want to understand they want to know the travel the beauty or whatever you're eating and that kind of stuff i feel like that's like an alternative to having a very narrow niche So lastly, I do want to touch upon your product that you created, which is Hotel Lobby Candle. Um, I kind of saw the beginning stages of the creation and followed it till now. And it's an amazing journey to witness. And I know you started it because when you travel and you come home, you want to bring that sort of hotel lobby smell and travel vibe back to your home. Um, how has the journey been so far and who's handling these things nowadays, the the brand?
0: So the journey has been the greatest learning experience of my career. Um, I, before I launched the candle brand, I'd never like done a product before. So obviously I had no idea what I was doing. Like I, I truly only think I was able to pursue it because during the pandemic I stopped traveling and I finally had the time to really dedicate to like figuring out how you manufacture a product from start to like the end consumer. Um, And yeah, it's been challenging in so many ways. Every day there's a new challenge. Um, Like literally just before we got on the phone, we had a shipping issue. We just moved warehouses to a bigger warehouse and they're kind of, we're so specific in how we like our boxes packaged, So we had to like teach them how to package the way we like. There's just so many elements to launching a product-based business that you have no idea about until you're in it. Um, but that's not to say that you can't learn along the way. Like I, I completely learned along the way. And um, yeah. So when I when we launched in October I was very nervous. I had no idea whether people would get it. I didn't know whether they would buy the candles. Really?
1: Are... Did, oh, you, yeah. did you do I market
0: heard... research? Um, no, I did no research. <laughs> wow. Like nothing.
1: Um, Not advised, but she was a successful example. So.
0: <laughs> well, I really just think I, I kind of went with my gut on a lot of things. And I knew um, I love candles. I know a lot of people. There are a lot of people that love candles. I know a lot of people love travel. I knew that like there had been a few times where I'd posted on Instagram about like going to hotels and how certain hotels have that smell and that lobby that's just like feels so luxurious and um, nostalgic. And I remember getting a lot of engagement about those and asking people what hotel lobbies they've been to that they remember the smell of. And I remember getting tons and tons of comments and thinking like, hmm, like maybe, I, maybe I'm onto something here. But I didn't, because I was so hesitant throughout the entire time, like I, and I didn't even know if I was ever going to end up launching it. It's not like I involved my audience in the process and, Mm. you know, took them along for the journey and asked for like them to weigh in. Like, I didn't say a word about it until we announced that it was live and launching, um, because Truly, the entire time I doubted myself that I, I would ever actually be able to make it happen, um, and I didn't want to like jinx it by telling people and then it, it not coming to fruition. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you know we there were like a lot of mistakes we made along the way, but and we're still making mistakes, but we kind of learn, and the the response has been amazing, luckily,
1: and yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I, ha, I received a box from Lindsay and it is the best smelling candle I have ever received. It, Thank you. It's also gorgeous. The packaging is very nice, like super high end. And so, yeah, I really recommend it as a user myself. And that's also just the, just overall feedback that she gets from everyone. Um, and also it recently got carried by Neiman Marcus, right?
0: Yeah. So we just announced last week that starting, well, starting last week, we are carried now on neimanmarcus.com and um, at eight of their biggest retail stores. So in Beverly Hills, in Bell Harbor, in Chicago, and two stores in Dallas. Um, I mean, like, oh, Newport Beach. I can't even remember all the places, but um, it's totally surreal. Yeah, I like... I didn't, I didn't even know if my own audience would get it. So I certainly, I didn't even think, I, I, in the very beginning when we launched, I thought we would just launch the two candles. I'd see how it went. I remember I did a Q and A and someone said, oh, what sense are you thinking about next? At Like while we were launching the first. And I was like, well, I'm honestly not, I don't even know if it goes well, maybe I'll think of a different, uh, you know, a round two. But at this point I was just like hoping that we would sell the first. I never in a million years thought we'd be like carried in a luxury department store and yeah. so quickly because we haven't even it hasn't even been a year since we wow. launched. So it all happened very fast. And I do think there's some luck involved and some good timing. But I also think that like there was a lot of strategy and a lot of thought and a lot of um, care and obsessing that went into this process. So it really wasn't an accident. Um, I am very particular about things and I'm a big fan of luxury candles. And so I kind of took everything that I knew about the candle business and what I liked about brands, what I didn't, the price points, the, the wax, the scents, the packaging and sort of created my dream product. And so thankfully it has really resonated with people.
1: Yeah, even though you didn't ask your audience, but you did a lot of research on your own. And also the branding is on point. You guys hired someone to to design it, right?
0: Yeah, so I have a brand designer named Michelle Wintercy, and She's amazing. And she, I actually found her through TikTok. Mm. I was like, yeah, it was like during the pandemic and I was just started following like hashtag brand design, hashtag um, product design. And one of her videos came up in my uh, my For You page. And I was like, I like her style. I feel like we have a similar aesthetic. I feel like she would kind of get what I'm trying to do here. And we got on the phone and hit it off. and. So she did my personal branding and then she, um, I hired her to do the Hotel Lobby Candle branding.
1: Mm. Do you feel like having a platform and having such a strong personal brand and also dedicated audience has also helped accelerate the success of Hotel Lobby Candle and be able to get it into St. Neiman Marcus?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like launching, you know, having a following, a very engaged, loyal following was uh, invaluable. I would say, like, if I didn't have a a big following, do I think it would have been taken off so quickly? Absolutely not. Um, I would say that, like, and I I just said this to someone recently, that my now my measure of success is when I see someone post the candle or tag Hotel Lobby Candle, I'll go to their account to see if they're following me. And if they're not following me, then to me that is, like, the biggest win because that tells me that, like, the brand has transcended – my sphere of people, and is making its way to people that have no idea who I am, which is great. Like I don't, I don't want the brand to be about me or, you know, an influencer brand. I want it to stand on its own. And so when I see that people are buying it who don't even know that it was founded by an influencer, um, that makes me really happy.
1: Yes, yes. I can see that there is a slight differentiation starting to happen between the content that happens on Hotel Lobby Candle and your own personal brand where there's like a slight detachment happening over time, which is what most, I think, smart business owners would do because after all, like, it's not limited to just your audience and it has infinite possibilities.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes like, for example, in the very beginning, I would get on stories all the time and on hotel on our on my brand mm-hmm. account and just like take over just the way I do on my regular Instagram. And then, you know, now I started to think this is a brand and people may not even know who I am. So I, I need to either do like be a little bit more formal on that account because it is an elevated brand or, um, you know, just keep keep the brand on its own. So I'm, I'm trying to like figure out that balance. But yeah. um, yeah, it's it's like interesting. I'm trying to be to differentiate them for sure.
1: Do you have somebody creating the social media content for that page?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I have um my brand designer has a team that now handles our social. And it's just great because we can be like collaborative and I can give ideas of what the type of things that i want to see on the account but like i don't have the time to like execute it myself so um they kind of just take my ideas and then like make them better and prettier
1: right right yeah and also your you said that your husband quit your job quit his job to also work on these things what aspects of it is is he working on right now does he help you with like your personal brand or is it mostly hotel lobby candle
0: No, he really doesn't do anything for my personal brand other than helping me take pictures sometimes. But for he's really full time on Hotel Lobby Candle, Mm. I, I didn't realize how many aspects of the business there were that I was not going to be very good at. Um, And there's no way we would have been able to grow and scale the way we have if he didn't leave his job to come help me. Um, There's just like inventory and talking to the manufacturer and distribution and um, keeping track of like wholesale and orders and like profit margins and all of these things. Like I'm not good at numbers. I like the creative stuff. And if it were, you know, if it were up to me, like we'd probably be making no money because I would just want everything to be the most expensive, fanciest thing We'd be sending free products all around the world, and we'd be losing money. But luckily, I have my husband, who is like the perfect balance to me and handles kind of all of the businessy um, operations, financial stuff, and I get to do the creative,
1: which is great. Mm, yes. So you guys really make the perfect team so that you can continually expand it.
0: Yeah. I was nervous, for sure, in the beginning to be working together because I was like, i don't want to feel like the boss. I don't want, I don't know what the dynamic is going to be. Like, what's he going to do? What, what am I going to do? How are we going to like figure out who is doing what? But it just became very clear very quickly that there are certain things I'm not good at. And just, those just so happened to be the, all the things that he's very good at. So, and he had previously had wholesale experience. So it's like, it's been, it's worked out really well.
1: And I'm just really curious. Do you guys combine your finances? Uh, like, does he have, like, a certain amount from Hotel Lobby Candle, or is it just all together?
0: No, it's, it's all together. Oh, we, okay. um yeah, we joined everything when we got married, just, like, especially now being in business together, like, I just think it would be, like, way too complicated, and I also um am really bad at, like, money stuff, <laughs> so it's a, it really benefits me to have yeah. everything being handled, because if I'm, like
1: i would probably like miss due due dates and
0: bills and whatever so it's it works out well
1: yeah i am so bad too um my husband did quit his job technically to semi help me but he didn't quit in order to help me so it's kind of like different we also have like completely separate finances so he doesn't like get anything from whatever I make, but sometimes he will help me. But then it's, it has to be completely voluntary because otherwise it wouldn't be fair. Like I couldn't expect him to do something, but not give him, you know, a share of the business. Right. Do you pay him if he's working for you? No. What do you mean? (laughs) Only in hugs and kisses. If even that,
0: um, yeah, well, before Matt was working for me or working with me, I should say, we, um, he would help me a lot, and I would always be like, I should be paying you for this, but it's okay. He, he was a, a champ and very patient.
1: That was funny. I actually asked my audience on Instagram stories. I was like, do you guys think I should be paying uh, Mr. D, who's my husband? And actually quite a lot of people, not the majority, but quite a lot of people said yes. I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was a lot more than I thought, and I was I was very surprised. I guess also yeah. as, as an Asian like it was very surprising. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, that was very insightful and very interesting to hear the ins and outs of running an actual product brand. So in the future, I guess, where do you see everything going in terms of your personal brand and Hotel Lobby Candle?
0: Yeah, I. um, that's a great question. I tend to not really think super long term in terms of like there are definitely some ideas I have with bit more so with the business than for my own personal brand, I think for for the way my stuff is going like I'm good with everything continuing yeah. the way it has been um, I of course, like everyone, I would love to like continue to grow my audience but <laughs> my my main concern is like nurturing the audience that I do have and continuing to work with brands that I love and um I, I'm like, would be perfectly happy for everything to kind of stay on course for myself. And then for Hotel Lobby Candle, I have like big ideas, um, but it's scary. Like mm. I, um, have a lot of thoughts of things that I would love to do down the road, but similar to how I didn't have any idea how to start the the brand when I did, I think I have to just go one step at a time. Otherwise I'll, I'll scare myself. Um, And we're also completely self-funded. So Mm. the financial aspect is scary as well. You know, investing a lot of money into something that, um, you know, taking chances on. And if, you know, there's, let's say, products down the road that we want to expand into, it's we're probably going to be continuing to be self-funded so that's scary but I have a lot of thoughts and I don't know there are a lot of possibilities for sure yes
1: yes that's the beauty of having a platform and having a personal brand is that the possibilities are endless whether you want to come out with like 10 different products or you want to come out with a digital or service product like you could literally do anything that you could dream of and it could become possible over time
0: totally I, and I think too, that you need to be able to pivot and you need to be open to not doing like in your mind, what you thought you would always be doing. You know, I definitely never in a million years thought that I would launch a product brand because in my mind I was like, I have no experience in that. I, you know, people with no experience can't start something like that, but I would say, you know. having limiting beliefs is not um, helpful and yeah I think you just should be open to to all possibilities
1: yeah yeah I mean limiting beliefs are very normal and it happens a lot even to someone who looks very successful like Lindsay I mean it happens to all of us right so honestly it's just like pushing through and executing and and trying not to think too much about it or else you you'll never be able to start and see it through yes for sure so I just kind of want to break down right now in terms of your career uh, income it's brand sponsorships and you have hotel lobby candle and you also have affiliate income right that's yeah, yeah also affiliate. another big one and then you have ad revenue from your blog yep am I missing anything else um, I will occasionally do consulting and like or
0: content creation for a brand that is not like on my feed, but I think I'm sure there is something that I'm not remembering, but I yeah. think those are all the streams,
1: yeah. So I feel like Lindsay is kind of a great example of someone who has a very healthy balance of multiple streams of income. Um, Although for most influencers, I'm not sure if it's also for you, like brand sponsorships will usually be the larger chunk, but just being able to diversify and having other revenue streams, income streams is actually very valuable, very helpful and in a big safety net because things like coronavirus can happen and you at least still have um, a lot of other streams of income that can support you in the meantime. Exactly. Exactly great i think that was a really insightful chat and thank you so much for sharing lots of information with us there's so much that i can say about what you've built so far but i really think it's like a high level of self-awareness knowing what you're good at and then also just knowing who you're really speaking to and being able to like you said leverage all of your experience previously in journalism and editorial writing to use that into your next career. So I think that's a great takeaway for anybody who's listening. Really lean in on your strengths and just keep leveraging that in order to also build your personal brand. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Lindsay. Where can people find you and, and connect with you?
0: Thank you so much for having me. So my Instagram handle is at Lindsay Silb. L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-S-I-L-B. And my blog is lindsaysilberman.com. And my brand is Hotel Lobby Candle. And you can find us at Nima Marcus, or you could find us um, on our website and on Instagram.
1: Yay, that's amazing. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.